Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of James Talks. It's great to be here again. Um, welcome everybody. Um, we've got another great interview today. Um, a friend of mine, a writer, an author, um, blogger, um, Kent, Sa- Kent, sorry, Kent Sanders. Um, sorry, <laughs> I hope I said that That's right. right. Uh, known him for ages, I can't pronounce his surname. There you go. Um, uh, Kent, <laughs> so welcome Kent, it's great to have you here. Thanks James, I appreciate you having me on, I really do. Yeah, um, Kent's got Kent's written. Um, well, he's written a book. He's written lots of little e-books as well. He's does a lot of work with creative people and writers and that kind of thing. So he's got a lot of wisdom to share. I'm looking forward to uh, to hearing that today and sharing that with you. So um, yeah, that's awesome. Let's, yeah, let's get underway. Um, so Kent, um, tell us a bit about who you are and your story and your background. Well. It all starts one day when my mother gave birth to me. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to go back <laughs> quite that far. It all starts one snowy day in a cabin in the woods back in the Civil War. No. So um, I have always been involved in creative arts. So I'm 41 years old, so I was born in 1974. Um, so I was kind of like a child of the 80s, and I'd, I've always loved 80s music and mm. that kind of stuff. It drives my son nuts. Sometimes he's 11. <laughs> but secretly, he likes a lot of it. But he won't. He won't admit that though, because right. he thinks yeah. it's much cooler to like dubstep music and, and all that stuff, <laughs> which is fine. But eighties music does. You know, I, I've always loved it. So, you know, just growing up in the eighties as a kid and the early nineties in high school, I was always involved in creative art stuff like choirs and band, marching bands and concert bands and all that sort of stuff. And that was just always where I, I fit in, and I always knew that somehow. That was the that was the trajectory that my life would take. I, I didn't know what, you know, you don't really know what the options are or the possibilities as a kid, and especially since there are a lot of different jobs now available than there were, you know, twenty thirty years ago. But uh, after high school, then I went to a small Christian college in St. Louis, mm-hmm. which is actually where I now teach, ironically enough. But yeah. I went there to be a a pastor, a church pastor, or a preacher. Okay. I grew up in a small country church in southern Missouri. And, uh, you know, it was a small church, so we only had one pastor. It wasn't a a big church staff or anything like that. And that was the only kind of ministry role that I knew about. And um, although I really loved music, I enjoyed preaching also. So I thought, well, because I felt this sort of call in my life to do some type of vocational ministry, that's the direction Mm -hmm. I went because I didn't know there was another direction, you know. I just assumed if you were going to be a pastor that you had to preach. So I went to college and actually, you know, went into that area and I didn't dislike it, but I didn't really enjoy it. Like some of my classmates did. And I was a decent preacher, but I I really, in my heart, I knew I'm never going to be really, really great at this. And I was so fortunate because uh, just a couple of months before my wife and I graduated from that school, we had one of our professors visit a church in northern Illinois, and he went up there to speak for a missions conference. He came back to our school and said, hey, I know this church that is looking for actually a children's pastor and also a music pastor, which are the areas that my wife and I really love to be in. So it just wound up that we both went to that church. Uh, we were there for about eight years. I was a worship pastor and loved every minute of it. Mm. It was um, a wonderful place. And then about 11 years ago, came back to the school where I went, which is St. Louis Christian College, yeah, and um, have been there ever since, teaching mostly 
in the areas of uh, worship leading, arts. I teach guitar as well. Uh, I teach a creative writing course, an intro to film course. So most of my stuff is is centered around the creative arts. And in terms of writing, I just, you know, just by virtue of, of connecting with awesome people, um, well, James, like yourself, you know, and, and many of the people that we mutually know, you know, they really just inspired me to take my writing a lot more seriously a year or two ago. And I just started kind of doing it and, um, you know, out popped this book. Well, the process isn't quite that simple, but uh, <laughs> no, never you know, it's not really that simple, <laughs> I guess. But, but in a sense, it is because you just kind of decide you're going to do it. And that's really all there is to it. It's not so much a matter of talent or giftedness. You just... You know, you just decide that you do have something to say and you want to put it in a book and then you just go from there. And it really is kind of that simple in one yeah, sense. It is. in that Yeah, definitely in that sense. You know, it's something that's birthed inside of you and then it, you know, you just have to, you know, you have to make it. It's like, you know, uh, as Rob Bell says, um, you have to make it or you'll spontaneously combust. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just, you know, you just know you have to make it, whatever the outcome. Um um, because it's not about the result; it's about this work you have to make. Um, yeah. Oh yeah, I think that is that is such a, a huge point, and even just that image of spontaneously combusting, you know, uh, not like the graphic image of, you know, <laughs> when I was a kid, I think I watched some sort of a show. It was like uh, what was the? They had a show. You probably didn't have this, uh, or you are, but this in the eighties they had this show called That's Incredible. Some people who are listening to this might be familiar with it. I don't know if it was on very long, but they always feature these kind of weird, crazy stories, sort of like a little more family-friendly version of Ripley's Believe It or Not. You know, They would have all these, these crazy things. And I, I remember seeing this story about spontaneous combustion one time. It was really sort of eerie to think that people can actually – that can actually happen to somebody. But anyway, I have no idea why I got off on that tangent. <laughs> <laughs> but, but this idea of – you have to kind of set yourself on fire. It, it comes from you and you can't just wait to be inspired to do it. You have to take responsibility for your own inspiration in a sense, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. Um, you know, the discipline of sitting down and just writing and, just, you know, yeah. um, overcoming resistance. That's really, really important. You know, I think yeah. half, I know that half of my problem with writing is not actually that I don't have ideas. It's just the actual sitting down and starting you know exactly um exactly. i think that's a lot i think that's that's something that a lot of people struggle with um yeah. for sure so um so what is so what so what is kind of the work that you're doing now um in terms of your writing and your creative you know your, like your website and the books and all that kind of thing well it's kind of a mix of a bunch of different things and to be really honest with you i sort of feel like i'm at a point where I have a lot of plates spinning and I like all the plates that I have spinning and it's really difficult for me to kind of know where the balance is between those things sometimes. Mm. And I think sometimes we have the impression that, Hey, once someone has a book out or once they, once they do something where we look at that and go, Hey, I would like to do that also. You know, I think sometimes we have this impression like people have their stuff all together and they have it all figured out and life is great. You know, once you kind of achieve something, something worthwhile a little bit that somehow your life all magically arranges and everything is good. And, and at least that hasn't happened for me yet, but there are several things that I'm involved with now. Uh, of course, one thing is what I just call my day job, which is my uh, full-time college teaching. Now I'm really fortunate because all of my college courses I've set up to be hybrid courses. So we're only in class one day a week. 
I also do a lot of our online program stuff at our school. So um, I've kind of taken advantage of that this semester, and I've started substitute teaching in our local school district, which really has nothing to do with the creative field. It's just I wanted to to have a little bit of a change of pace. And, and don't get me wrong, I love my teaching job and I love my school. But I've been there for 11 years, and I wanted to basically dump myself into a whole different environment just for the heck of it. Now, it does pay a little bit, but it's, you know, anyone who is substitute taught or, well, any teacher probably knows, you know, you don't get paid that much. So there is that benefit to it. But really more than that, I just wanted to try something new that I didn't know anything about. I wanted to see mm. if I could learn something about teaching from our public school system. And I definitely have. It's been a great experience. Um, wow. So, yeah, that's that's been a really... Uh, eye-opening thing. I have a whole new appreciation for, you know, kind of in the American system, public school teachers, man, they're, they're my new heroes, honestly. And mm-hmm. what's cool is I can take some of those lessons and then apply that to my college teaching, you know, and it's kind of funny because, you know, things that I see teachers do in like a fifth grade class, I think to myself, wow, that would work with my college kids, mm-hmm. you know, just, just simple, simple stuff. They're not really that different, you know, in many ways. So I've got those things going on. Um, also, a big part of what I do is I'm a lead editor with the Goodman Project, which is goodmenproject.com. That is a site that really focuses on kind of what we call the conversations that no one else is having about men in modern culture. And it deals with a variety of topics, but in my role as editor, I have the pleasure of working with writers who want to get their work featured there, of um, – you know, being in charge of one of the publication days every week and making sure our slots are filled. And that's been a really wonderful experience. I've learned a lot from the people there. And then also I have my own side writing, uh, which is, you know, my blog and uh, just jumping into my second sort of full-length book uh, here just this month. And, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So, yeah, so that's awesome. I mean, that's fantastic. Um... And I know, yeah, Kent's a fantastic writer. I would recommend him to everybody. Go check out his site. Oh, well, thanks um, very much. Kent, Kent Sanders.net, I think it is. Um, yes. And it's find not all dot com. Yeah, Somebody else has the dot com. Yeah, it's the same with me, actually. <laughs> Somebody else has I know, my isn't dot that com. Crazy? It's really annoying. Um, I've, had, had, I've had to go dot co dot uk, see, with mine. Um, but, um, <laughs> so tell us a bit about, you've written some short guides for aspiring artists. These are on your website. Tell us, yes. a, tell us about each of those and what they're about, you know, what their purpose is. Sure. Well, the reason this, this all kind of came about is I just looked at my own life and I thought, what are the things that I'm struggling with? Mm. And I think that's where, that's where a lot of my writing comes out of. I can't speak for anybody else, but for myself, I know that when I write things that come out of my own life and I address problems that I am currently having or have had, that seems to be what, what tends to help and resonate with people maybe the most. Mm. So when I set up my blog a couple of years ago, my, the one I have now, which is kentsanders.net, I knew I wanted to have some kind of opt-in, you know, this basically a free gift for subscribers. And because I tend to be kind of an overachiever, which does cause problems sometimes because, you know, you know, maybe only an inch is required and I'll do like a mile for mm. whatever the thing is. Yeah. Um, I thought, Hey, Instead of making it simple on myself and just putting together one short guide, let's do five, <laughs> you know, just for the heck of it. <laughs> um, so what are they about? What are each of these guides about? Well, there's five of them. 
the first one is called The Artist's Manifesto, and it is a really short, basically, um, I just call it like a small narrative piece, really, just about looking back at your life and feeling frustrated and discouraged that you're not as far along as you would like to be or think you should be, but then declaring, hey, today is the day to make it happen. I can choose to be creative. I can choose to go further. I can choose my own attitude, that type of thing. Now, the funny thing is that the that this ebook, The Artist's Manifesto, actually is in my, my more recent, like, full-length book, The Artist's Suitcase. So that's kind of like the epilogue of The Artist's Suitcase. Interesting. Um, but cool. yeah, but as far as like just an opt-in ebook thing, that's a standalone deal. Uh, the next one is called "How to Make Time for Your Art," and this is just dealing with twenty-one ways to be more productive and make every day count. It's basically time management strategies for creative people and for artists. Mm-hmm. Sounds really useful. Um, <laughs> uh, to be honest, yeah, I think that's yeah, a- and those just kind of came out of my own life, and I wish I had all those down pat. I definitely don't. But it's things that um, we never do, do we? <laughs> yeah, things that I think can be helpful. Uh, the next one is kind of a strange title. It's called "How to Get Your Mojo Back," <laughs> and this is really written from the perspective it's of someone title. in his late thirties, which I was at the time, who feels like they've lost their creative edge in life. They feel like they're kind of stuck. They're discouraged. They're overwhelmed with just kind of the responsibilities of life and they don't know how to get out of that rut. And this, this short book talks about seven steps to facing your fear and climbing out of that creative rut. Right. And that just directly came out of my own discouragement, honestly. So what are those? What, what would you say those, what, what are those kind of steps that you talk about just in brief, you know, what, what would they be to get out of that rut that we, a lot well, of us face? Yeah. I'd say what, give me a second here and let me, let me look these up. I don't remember what I wrote in the book. <laughs> Give me like three uh, yeah. seconds. Let me. That's, uh, uh, that happens to us. Like, isn't that weird? Isn't that sad? <laughs> it is actually. I think, but I think I don't think that's uncommon. Because um, like sometimes you know you write stuff and you wrote it years ago and you've changed since then and you know you've you've come to a new understandings and new ideas and you, know, you kind of lose track of you know of what you've of what you've written. You know, I mean, I I I have to reread some stuff I've written to remember what I wrote sometimes, you know, I mean, I know the kind of general gist of some of the stuff I wrote, but I don't remember exactly what it was. I think, I don't think it's uncommon to kind of just literally forget the, the detail, every single detail of what you wrote. Um, if you write yeah. a lot, you know, cause yeah. So yeah, oh, yeah. that's totally understandable. So anyway, here's a few of those things uh, that I put in that short ebook. Uh, one is spending time with growth minded people. For instance, joining a mastermind or a small group of some kind, finding a mentor, you know, investing in coaching, basically spending time with people who can pull you to a higher level. And I think that that's one of the most important things. Another one is simply reconnecting with God. And that'll look different for everybody, I think, because what we tend to do, at least I found this true in the Christian community, is we tend to look at our own experience, our own spiritual experience. And we tend to evaluate everybody based on that lens. Yeah. You know, you sure. know what I mean? Like, for instance, absolutely. Um, a great way that I connect with God is through the arts, through literature, through, um, through those kinds of, through reading. But my wife is totally different. And her personality is, is a lot different than mine. And she just, she's wired up differently. 
so I think sometimes we take what works for us and we go, wow, you're not a very spiritual person if you don't, if you really don't find a lot of joy in these particular practices or these particular things. Mm. Sure. I totally agree. Um, I mean, it's really easy, isn't it, to get trapped in your own mind and think that everyone's like you. But um, well, Oh, it is. Yeah. It but, is. But we are all different. We all connect with God in different ways. I mean, the weird thing is I'm a writer, and um, but but I find I connect with God a lot through science. I, I never... I was never into science whatsoever, um, and then I started listening to Rob Bell talk about science and in some of his talks, and started uh, listening to us some other podcasts and reading a bit. And it's like, and it's just like the more I'm learning about science, the more I'm learning about God, you know. And uh, I never thought I'd be that, you know. I mean, I'm because I'm a creative, artistic kind of guy, you know. Um, although I'm quite methodical, um, yeah. So it's it's crazy how we all diff- connect with God in different ways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one more from this shorty book, and there's there's seven there, and um, folks can can read that um, later on if they want to, or I can go over them all if you want to. It's still up to you. But I think the next most important one is eliminating negative input from your life, and um, I think that just I mean that deals with negativity in the media. You know, in in, a, in the United States, we're going through a, a political cycle here. We got a presidential election in November. And, man, talk about lots of negativity going on. That's mm-hmm. just kind of part of the deal. But, you know, it's hard for me to figure out, honestly, as, as a person of faith, how much to get involved in that sometimes and what to even make of it and who to believe. And it's all very confusing to me. Yeah. I'm not really politically bent. I don't, I don't tend to have an interest in politics at all. Right. But, but, I, but I think as a person of faith, I do have a responsibility to, to know something about it and to educate myself about it and, Hopefully, make an informed vote in November, and I have no idea what that'll be because we don't even know who the candidates are. At yeah, this point. sure. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah, there's negativity from the media. But there's also negative people in your life, which can really drag you down majorly, and uh, that can be really difficult because when you work with someone who is very negative, or cynical, or kind of a backstabber or a gossiper, I know those are harsh terms, but the reality is that some people are like that. Yeah, they are. when you're around somebody like that all the time, it's really hard to get away from it. And sometimes you've just got to you've got to make a hard choice, and you have to be willing to, I think, upset people in your life. You know? Yeah, I think. And I think that's yeah. very, very hard if you have a non-confrontational personality like I do. But uh, yeah, I think you you just have to take control of your life and stop saying, "Hey, I'm a victim of this person or that person." You know, and sometimes you got to make the hard call to just end a relationship with somebody. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that, that, that's that's very very true. I mean, even if you are kind of a confrontational kind of person, it's still it's still challenging to say no. You know. Um, oh, totally, totally. And to try and say, look, you know, I need I I need people in my life who are gonna because the pe- the people I think I heard Don Miller say this before the people who we who we hang out with the people who we talk to. They're the ones that are going to shape us. We're going to become like exactly. those people. So we need to be careful about the kind of people that we hang out with and the people that we talk to and the people that we listen to um, yeah. because that's what's going to shape us. So I think that's really good advice as well. You need to be able to say, you know, this is about this person who's actually having a negative impact on my life and I need to say, look, I need to make some space away from that person, you know, to, you know, to actually get some positive impact on my life instead of 
the negative. You know, and we need to yeah. You know, we need to filter the negative voices from the positive ones and and the wise ones from the unwise ones and, and make sure that we make the right, wise choices. Well, yeah, to me, a lot of that comes down also to the fact that I may, I may actually agree with someone, but I don't agree with the way in which they express their negative viewpoint or their, their viewpoint on whatever. You know, for instance, maybe someone expresses a political viewpoint on something. I may find, hey, I actually agree with that a lot, but sometimes I'm just kind of amazed at how people forget that we don't change when people are negative toward us. We change when people are positive toward us. You know, we, we tend to, it's that old saying of you can attract more flies with honey than with, well, I forget what the rest of that saying is, but the, the idea is maybe I shouldn't use sayings from like, you know, 18th century American culture anymore. <laughs> but it's the idea that you can attract people with sweetness and kindness and relationship better than being negative and a confrontational kind of thing. I, at least that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I think that's right. I think, yeah, if you're, if you're being a negative and if you're being aggressive towards somebody, you're, I hate to use the word sending, sending bad energy, but you're, you know, what, what you're giving off is, is negative. So people are going to respond yeah, negatively. Yeah. And, um, whereas what, if you're, if what you're giving across is positive, even if it's criticism, even if it's, you know, criticizing healthy, constructive criticism, which, actually leaves the person feeling encouraged and supported. Yeah. Um, that's better than just being negative and criticizing or being rude or whatever, because, um, because, you know, otherwise, if, if, if it's, if it's just negative, you're going to feel like you're worthless and useless and you're just not, you're going to, not going to bother and you're going to respond to them negatively and it's just going to be negative all around, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's good, good wisdom. So what the, so, um, that's, uh, that's the third one, isn't it? The second or third one of those. And there's a couple of others. That's the there. third one. Uh, there are a couple more of these eBooks. One is called the art of completion. And this is just a, a short little book where I talk about how to finish your creative projects, because I think most creative people struggle with the idea that we get excited when we start something new but it's hard to finish it sometimes, you know? Mm, yeah, sure. I mean, for me, at least I look on my hard drive and I think, how many half-written blog posts do I have there? How many book <laughs> ideas have I written down and I haven't, haven't followed through on yeah, those? For? Yeah, How I'm many things that. did I say, yes, I will do that, and then I go, oh, I forgot to do that. It's just the idea of, I kind of walk everybody through a process of looking at all the things that you want to do, looking at your, your goals and your purpose, mm. and then using that as a filter to say, these are the things I want to finish, these are the things that I'm going to set aside and not finish. You know, how do you finish the things that are really, really important to you? And just kind of working through a process. And that's kind of the way that I just approach life, I guess, is is I like systems, I like processes, because it takes the emotion out of it. And mm. emotions are not a bad thing at all. But what we do sometimes is we get overwhelmed and we get excited or excited about something, we get upset about something, we get um, obsessed with one particular thing and... You know, our emotions are all, all over the place. Yeah. But the way that you really accomplish something is you have to work at it systematically, like on a daily basis, or you have to go through a process to get it done. And, um, you know, it's not that I'm saying we should be like these emotionless robots. But I do mean, I think we've got to have some kind of a system in place to help us make decisions that are based on wisdom and that are based on facts 
rather than based on our emotions or what we feel like that particular day. At least I wrestle with that sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's not very good. It's not. It's not. It's not very wise to make decisions purely based on raw emotion because um, you can end up regretting it. I mean, I know that. I've, I know that um, I've made decisions when I'm emotional that I probably regretted later on. I'm sure you have as well. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I'll give you. I'll give you a good example of that. Is um, this has been kind of a, a really busy week for me. I substitute taught actually three days. Have had a lot of stuff going on with the Goodman Project. I've got a special project I've been working on there. And then I've got all my regular college stuff. Yeah. So it's been a really kind of intense week. And uh, last night, uh, my wife was at an event for her job. And so it was me and my son. And we were doing some things. And he went in his room for a while to watch Netflix or something. And so I just kind of plopped down in my office chair, or actually where I'm sitting right now. And I just felt very, very down. I felt in this major funk, like... Man, yeah. I just feel really down for some reason. I, I couldn't pinpoint the reason why. I mean, things in my life are going well. You know, there's a lot of good things happening, but I just felt like really discouraged for some reason. But because I, I know myself really well, I knew that it was because it had been a busy week. I was kind of tired. I was kind of irritable. Um, and I just, you know, like after a long stretch when you finally sit down and kind of go, you know, you kind of take a second to breathe. Then it's like your emotions sometimes start to plummet. And so I knew that's what was going on. And I, I know myself well enough to go, you know, the world's not going to end tomorrow. Your life is not going down the tubes. You know, nobody hates you. You know, your career (laughs) is not going down the toilet. It's it's nothing like that. It's just my emotions have kind of gotten the best of me. And I, I just needed to sit and regroup for a couple of hours. And it's that kind of a thing that I, I think is helpful to think through is understanding that sometimes your emotions don't represent reality. Most of the time they don't represent reality, probably. Yeah. You know, to a, if you understand kind of what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I do totally understand what you're saying, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so that's, the fourth, that's the fourth of those books. And what's the final one? The final one is called The Ultimate Resource Guide for Artpreneurs. And yes, I totally made up that word, artpreneur. I think that's just, a cool word. I love that word. I love that word. I think that's a really cool word. Obviously, it's entrepreneur who's an, who's an artist. And in this book, I just list 101 tools that have been helpful for me. And it goes to you know blogging stuff, writing stuff, books, podcasts, all different kinds of stuff. And I probably should go back and actually update that, to be honest with you, because it's been like a year and a half since I put that out. And probably there are some things I would change in there, but... You know, I'd say 95 of those things are great. There are probably a few that I would switch out, but it's still a good resource guide. Awesome. And they're all free. Um, on your yes, website, absolutely. Uh, okay, so you've written a book, um, a full-length book called The Artist's Suitcase. So tell us a bit about the journey of that book and what it's about. Okay. Um, this book actually started out as something that I put together for one of my classes at the college where I teach. I teach a class called Introduction to the Arts, and it's essentially a, a really basic philosophy of the arts. It's a, it's a Christian philosophy of the arts. Right. That doesn't mean we only watch cheesy Christian movies or anything <laughs> like that. It's nothing like yeah. that, in fact. It's basically how to look at the arts through the lens of Scripture and through the eyes of a person of faith. And so we talk about architecture. We talk about music. We talk about film, uh, you know, classic classic works of art, um, the creative process, 
some examples of art in the Bible, that type of thing. So two or three years ago, I put this uh, really short book together just called the, actually at that time it was called, uh, what was it called? There was a, I had a different title for it. Oh, I know what it was. It was called Z is for Zither. Uh, okay. Z-I-T-H-E-R. And that's a really bizarre title. But I've heard that word before, yeah. Yeah, in, in the book I talk about what a zither is and why it was called Z is for zither. And then my wife widely, wisely tells me told me that's a horrible title for the book. You need to change that because nobody's going to know what it's about. It's you know it's one of those things where mm. as a, like a writer you put together something you think is really clever, but then somebody else tells you this really stinks and they're right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, what I did in this uh, short book is I just went through the alphabet and I chose a word. For each letter of the alphabet, for instance, A is for attitude, uh, D is for doubt, E is for excellence, T is for time, those kinds of things. And I just chose concepts that I thought were important to talk about from a practical standpoint for artists. And so, um, you know, I wrote it and I got some good feedback from my class and I decided, hey, I should maybe turn this into a book, you know. So I, I rewrote the whole thing, added some some content to it. And that was kind of the result. The whole idea of the book is all, it's all about the creative journey. And in fact, the subtitle is 26 essentials for the creative journey. And the idea is if you're going on a journey, the creative journey, yeah. then what are you going to pack in your suitcase? What things are you going to take with you? And this book is just my way of giving you some short little chapters, like five pages each, it's large print. There's lots of white space on the pages. <laughs> you know, these little short things to take with you on the creative journey. And that's that's really what it comes down to. It's very practical, uh, very inspirational, and just kind of represents the best of hopefully a little bit of my wisdom and experience for yeah. artists. Cool. Excellent. Yeah, and it's great. I've got a copy. It's fantastic. Um, cool. Well, thanks very much. I, I appreciate um, it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the spiel for the book as well, it talks about um, that it's a book for, you know, artists who've lost their way, who are struggling to move forward. You know, um, what would you say uh, kind of your would be your key bits of advice for people who are kind of in that place where they're struggling, where they're, you know, they want to create or they want to write maybe. Um, and they're just struggling. They're just battling to you know, find inspiration or to, to get started or anything or something. So what, what, what would you say to, to those people? I would say the first place to start, and that's a great question, by the way. To me, the first place to start is not deciding what project am I going to do. You know, it's not to jump in and start a blog. It's not to jump in and start writing a book. It, to me, you have to back way up and look at your overall life purpose. I know to, to some people that's going to sound like, you know, my head, my brain just exploded because that sounds like a really overwhelming process. You know, what's my life <laughs> yeah. purpose? You know, cause it's like your whole, the totality of your life. And, and yeah. how do you sit, you know, how do you sit down and go through that? And, um, I think it's helpful to just ask some questions of yourself. Like, you know, what are things that inspire me? What are some things that people compliment me on? What kind of questions do people ask me on a regular basis? You know, because we all have expertise in something. Yeah. Um, what things do I find joy in? I think a, a good a good hint is what do you do in your spare time? You know, when you have a block of free time, what do you do with that time? And what you do with it, I think, is a good indication of 
kind of what you're wired up to do and how you're wired up to serve people because you're obviously drawn to that, yeah. to that thing, whatever that thing is. Absolutely, yeah. It doesn't mean that you have to do it for a job or anything, but I think it does, you know, all these things are just kind of, uh, they're like a North Star, I think, that point you in the right direction. So to me, it's really helpful to sit down and think about what is really the, the thing that I want to do in life. Um, for me, it took me a couple of years of working through this process. I don't mean like two years literally sitting down, but just from time <laughs> to time, I would just kind of work through this. Yeah. And my overall life purpose is to help people unlock their God-given creative potential. And literally, that's how I state it, because I, I truly believe that's my vocational purpose in life. Is And it mm. goes back to the fact that I believe everybody has creative powers. They have potential. I yeah. think that there are things that block that potential from being realized, whether it's our own attitudes, yeah. whether it's just being in the wrong type of work, you know, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, other situations in life. But it's also the fact that God gave us that potential, and we have a responsibility, I think, to use that to the best of its ability. And I, do, I love helping people sort of unlock that potential and, and bring it bring it forth. And it's not like some magic wizardy process. I think it's just a process, again, of, of looking at your life and and very systematically just thinking through, you know, those questions and thinking through what do I really want to accomplish? What am I passionate about? What what lights my fire and how can I help people? So to me, answering that question is really important then to getting sort of your why established, your purpose. Once you are really, I think, clear on that purpose, then that gives you a whole motivation to then keep going and and keep moving and what you should be doing because you have a lot of clarity about what you should be doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great wisdom. That's fantastic. Um... But the Another thing that I would add to that, though, is, um, you know, like I'm an analytical person. I'm, I'm very sort of the, that melancholy mm -hmm. analytical personality type. And it's really tempting for me to sit down and want to think through the whole thing and process it and write this big, long thing and analyze it to death. Yeah. You know, all the while having actually done nothing. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> Yeah, to me, it's really, really vital that you don't spend too much time on that. I think you have to sit down and maybe think through it a little bit, but then just get to work doing something, doing anything. And I think that we find our purpose in life not by sitting down and thinking about it. I think we find it by getting involved with other people and doing something and finding out, hey, this works, this doesn't work, this went well, this didn't go well. I mean, it's taken me a lot of twists and turns. I feel like to come to a place where I have a more clear sense of what I need to be doing. Mm -hmm. And some days I still don't feel totally clear on it. You know, I think it's an ever-evolving process. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I totally agree with you there. Um, it's always a process, isn't it? Um, so what would you say is key to unlocking someone's creative or artistic potential? Well, again, going back to purpose, I, I think that that is a key part of it. Um, I don't think there is necessarily just one thing. I think it's a variety of things. So that, that to me is important, thinking about your purpose. I think getting around the right people is absolutely huge. That is really, really important because, you know, it's been said we are the average of the five people that we spend the most time with. Hmm. Yeah. So look at, look at who you spend time with. And if, if that person, if those people collectively represent where you want to be in life, then great. But if they don't, then then you need to get around other people who represent 
kind of where you want to be and the kind of person you want to be like. To me, that's an absolutely massive part of this whole equation. It's just getting around people who are success-oriented, who are positive, who care about you, who are not negative. Um, mm. And so, you know, again, that means that we have to take responsibility for our lives. We cannot be these passive observers of our lives just going by the highway, you know. Yeah. We've got to take initiative and be really assertive in choosing who we spend time with and, and how we live our lives. Now, that sounds really simple, but, you know, the reality is sometimes – now, I don't have this experience personally, but I know lots of other people who have, you know, people in their family who are very negative. And you can't just, like, up and leave your family. That wouldn't be cool. No. So you've got to kind of make this work for your own situation and and figure out a way to, to get around people who can help you and who are positive and who are oriented towards success. Um, so I think that's a key. Yeah. Also, I just think the whole spiritual part of it is important too. Just being right with God. And, um, you know, I'm a Christian, so so that to me is always going to be part of the equation. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I just think being being in the right situation can really help a lot. You know, if you're in the wrong type of work or if you're in a job that you absolutely hate, mm. that's going to have a tendency to crush your soul. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I definitely you know I mean? resonate with that. Definitely resonate with that. It's really, really difficult because if you're, if you're in a job that's that you find boring, well, you're going to get tired because when you're bored, even if you're working hard, but if you're bored, it's going to weigh you down. And so you're going to have yeah. no, so when you get home, you're going to have no energy left to create anything. You know, yeah. I've been yeah. in that place before and it's, it's not, it's, it's just horrible because you kind of like, you get home and you're not physically tired, but you're just mentally tired because you're just bored, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, and, and yeah, as we said, I think as you kind of alluded to earlier that, you know, our, you know, our art, you know, whether it's writing or anything else is not necessarily going to pay the bills, you know, it's, even if right. we, you know, even when we do it to a professional standard and we're professional about the work we do and everything like that, and even if we make a little bit of money from it, it's not necessarily going to pay our bills, you know. Right. Um, and so we're going to have to have a job, you know, to su- supplement that, which means that, you know, you've got to manage your time well, which means you've got to have a job which doesn't sap your life force out of you, you know, um, which is going to kind of stimulate you, but it's going to allow you to come home and have energy to do the creative work that, that, you, that you want to do. Yeah. You know, and, I'm, and James, I'm really glad you mentioned that because sometimes we look at our day job and we look at that as sort of the enemy of what we really want to do. You know, we think, oh, I've got to go spend time doing this thing. But then the real thing, the real important thing and the thing that actually matters is my side work. And I think it's really important to find a way, not necessarily to integrate those things because that's not always possible, but find a way to have whatever your day job is find a way to let that inspire you creatively and find a way to, to somehow get the most bang for your buck out of that job. Now, again, it's going to all depend on somebody's situation. Um, for me, I'll give you an example of, of how that worked. Um, a few years ago at my, at my job at my college, I moved my office. Now that doesn't sound like anything major, Mm. but the deal was, is that my office was in a totally separate building, our music building. And I was the only person out there. I didn't realize how lonely I was. You know, I wasn't really around the other faculty offices. I was I was close to students, but I was not around my colleagues that much. And an office came open in the other part in the other building, 
And uh, that was right around all the other faculty. And so I moved up there and it was like my whole attitude changed because now I was around my colleagues. I was, I put myself in a situation where I could have all these random conversations during the day and just hi, bye. How are you? Little chit chat. You know what? That stuff really matters. Those relationships really matter a lot when you're just, it's just the idea of putting yourself in a situation where the most potential can happen. So for me, that was a big thing. And you know, I think just uh, exploring what possibilities you have in your day job to be creative and to take new assignments, to prove your value to your supervisors, to do things that that will help you learn new skills. You know, I think there's always more opportunities to improve ourselves in our day job than than we than we give it credit for. You know, there's almost always an opportunity to do something there and to learn something new uh, on some kind of level. Maybe not always, but I think most of the time there is something there. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. Um, so, okay, one, one, thing, one of the things that I, that I talk about a lot on my, on my blog and, and, and a lot of my work is about um, authenticity and art, artistic integrity, you know. So, I mean, as someone who does a lot of, a lot of blogging, a lot of writing, how do you maintain your kind of authenticity and your artistic integrity and, and, you know, how would you recommend other people do that? Well, that's a good question. I think, I think the, this whole concept of authenticity sometimes is, um, I, in other words, I don't think there's an authentic versus inauthentic. I think there are levels of authenticity. What I, here's what I mean by that is that I think, we have to be true to ourselves and what we really believe and what we think um, and who we are and not represent a false version of ourselves or someone that we're not. But I think we also have to exercise some appropriateness as to what to reveal about ourselves or what to share about ourselves or our opinions Absolutely. at the right time and in the right place. Yeah. I completely you know, agree let, with me, you. let me give an example of that. So, for example, you know, again, I go back to the, the political stuff that's happening right now in the U.S., I mean, there are lots of things I could say on Facebook about that. There are lots of opinions I have about it. But would that really help anybody? Probably yeah. not. I, and, in fact, I know exactly what will happen is I have a few friends who are very politically minded and uh, they're very opinionated. And I know as soon as I say something, and I know what kind of things would get them riled up. And so if I say something you know, that's going to get them riled up, that actually doesn't do any good. Mm. It just kind of creates negative feelings. Yeah. So I may authentically feel a certain way, but it doesn't mean I have to say it. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I, I completely you know I mean? agree. Yeah. Um, I wrote a blog post actually a while back um, talking about this. And, you know, uh, all, being authentic doesn't mean you have to give absolutely every detail away. Um, exactly. It's really, I think, in terms of writing for me, and, and I'm sure this is true in all artistic kind of stuff, that when being authentic is about being true to who you are, being honest, about, being honest in what you create and letting it right. be true to what's going on inside of you and what you care about and, and, and who you are. Um, rather than just saying, here's everything about my, my life. Here's everything about who I am. Um, being, you know, there's a, de there's degrees of vulnerability that you have with different people and in your work, you know, and, um, I don't think anyone would expect anybody to be completely and utterly vulnerable. 
um, right. about everything in their in any of their in you know in in any kind of artistic work. You know, I don't think people expect that. Um, people want you to have to be authentic. They want you to be true to your voice, to be true to your heart, um, to have integrity. But they don't expect you to be completely honest and vulnerable about every single detail in your life. I think exactly, exactly. And I think I think there's a, there's a there's definitely a there's been a confusion about that. I think, and we need to we need to be clear about that. You don't have to give everything away to be authentic. Well, you know, if you look at people who who come across as fake or inauthentic or people who are highly negative and feel like they have to share their, their negative opinions on everything or they're very critical, you know, all those people have one thing in common and that is that they're all really insecure. Yeah. And I think this process of being authentic to me, that starts with, you have to be secure in who you are, what you believe, what your gifts are, what your gifts aren't. And that, that may even be more important is understanding, Hey, I'm never going to be good at this, this or that thing. And yeah. Be okay with that. Yeah. Because when you're when you're really insecure and you feel bad about yourself and you don't like yourself, then you tend to lash out at everybody else because you know, that's just it's much easier to put attention on somebody else and to lash out at them than it is to work on your own heart mm. and work on your own shortcomings and just really sit down and and spend time with yourself. You know, some of us we we hate ourselves so much that we want to spend as little reflective time as possible because when we actually sit down to think about who we are and if we're happy with our lives, then we come up really short because we're just really disappointed in ourselves. So to me, it's this whole process of being authentic starts with, you know, I know this sounds very Oprah or whatever, but, but I think <laughs> it's true is you, you just have to accept who you are. And, and I think you have to like yourself. And uh, again, I, I know that sounds really cheesy, but, but it's true. You have to like who you are. I think you have to like your appearance. You have to accept that, hey, I'm I'm this I look this way or that way and it's not gonna change. Yeah. Unless I have plastic surgery or something. Yeah. And to me it's like you can always tell people who really are secure in who they are because they're joyful, they're generous, they feel very comfortable in their own skin, they're mm. kind. You know? A person who is insecure doesn't have the emotional capacity to be kind to other people. Because they don't have, they're operating from a deficit emotionally. Yeah. You know, whenever you have a surplus emotionally, you can give that away freely. But whenever you are so unhappy and insecure with yourself, you you can't you can't give anything to anybody else because you don't have it to give. Yeah, know? I agree. That's right. And then to me, the whole the whole things you know again going back to the whole faith in Christianity thing, it starts with believing. Hey, God loves me. God has a purpose for my life. God wants to use me for positive things in this world. You know, God cares about me. So I think it all starts with just having this positive orientation in life. You know, and I totally agree with you. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've never, I've never thought about that way before. But it's absolutely right. I mean, I think people who are who aren't authentic often do it out of fear. You know, because they, oh, of course, fear of course. and they, they, you know because they're afraid of. They're afraid of being vulnerable. They're afraid of. Uh, they're afraid of failure. They're afraid, and 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 I think it. I think um, this is. I mean, this ties in with a lot of the stuff I do. Um, I think they're. I think they. The, the people who aren't authentic in their work often um, they define they they define their value and their success and their security totally, totally. security by what they do rather than in rather than saying. I'm enough 
I belong, I am lovable, I am infinitely loved and unconditionally loved and accepted as I am, even with my imperfections. Yeah. You know, that I, I, that I don't need to do anything to be value, valuable, I'm already valuable. Um, yeah, this is what Boy, that, is, that is like such a key insight. Is you have value already as a person. Even if you write a book that totally flops or nobody likes, yeah. it doesn't matter. That's just, yeah. your work is not who you are as a person. Absolutely right. I mean, that's easy to say, and it's difficult for us to feel in practice because, because <laughs> yes, you know, right. when we have a failure, something inside of us goes feels really upset, you know, uh, and that's just and that's just being human. But um, I think the people who really um, are most afraid are the people who are least authentic. And yeah. you can probably yeah, and, if, and if you've got uh, and if you've got um, if you've got eyes to see it, if you've got your eyes open to see it, you can see it, you know. Um, you can, it's there. I think I, I always say that the truth is always revealed in what we what we create, whether it's whether it's that we're authentic or not, or whether it's whether we're whether, you know, what our motives are, you know, what, whether we're afraid. If we really look at somebody's work, you can tell, or you know, you can tell um, the truth about them, about who they are, um, if you look hard enough. And um, yeah, and I think there's a lot of people who are afraid and. Um, their goal is to make money and their security is in money and their security is in success and what people think of them. And, and some of them might be really successful, the truth is, you know, by, by being that way. But ultimately, they're going to they're gonna be kind of a bit empty and unfulfilled at the end of the day because um, they're, lacking, they're lacking integrity and authenticity and because they're afraid yeah. and because their value, because when they do fail, because we all fail at some point, you know, uh, we all fail, um, they're going to they're going to crash because their whole value was based on what they did and on what they had rather than in who they were. Yeah. You know what that's a really interesting viewpoint and I think every every industry or area of work has its own ways to measure success, you know. Mm. Sometimes you know with authors it's book sales or Amazon reviews, that kind of thing, mm. blog subscribers. Um in my day job world, the academic world, it's interesting because there there are also ways to gauge your success in academics. You know, sometimes people measure that by whether you have your doctorate degree, what title you have, whether you're a full professor or associate professor or something. You know, how big the school is that you work at, those those kinds of things. And yeah, I think you just have to to accept yourself for who you are. But but I think also there's this tension between accepting yourself, but then also wanting to constantly improve and yeah I think and that's the challenge, reach for something new and being kind of the best version of yourself you know yeah absolutely that's the con that's the that's the that's what i call the dance of the writer it's like it's 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 saying i'm enough but that actually i want to grow i want to become the best version of myself i want to keep keep pushing the boundaries keep stepping out keep keep shipping work and putting it out there and mm-hmm. keep trying to raise the bar in terms of the quality of my work and in and in living the kind of life that I was meant to live. Um, yeah. And that's the challenge, you know, whilst at the same time saying that all of that, even if it all goes wrong, I'm still okay. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's the balance that, you know, we all need to get, not just not just artists, but everybody. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Um, cool, cool. Um, okay, last question. Um what is one key lesson you've learned on your own kind of creative journey that you think, you know, the, the really big lesson that you've learned um, that, you, that you think other people will benefit from? 
You know, that's a really good question. A lot of things come to mind, but honestly, the thing that I'm learning the most right now, and honestly, this is kind of a new, this is a new insight to me, even though I've talked about it before, you know, in, in other writings and stuff. The thing that I'm learning most right now is the fact that you have to have other people in your life that you're creating things with. This is not a solo journey at all. And for the longest time, I just approached all this as kind of like, hey, I'm doing this myself. You know, obviously I have interaction with other people and, yeah. and everything, but, but I approached it as, at its core, this is something I'm doing myself. And as, I, as I've looked around over the past few months and in the past year, as I've taken a lot harder look at people who are really successful, people who seem to be accomplishing great things, I mean, both historically and both today, really anybody who's doing anything worthwhile, mm. it almost always involves other people. Yeah. Now, now that can look different. You know, it can be like a work team. It could be a co-author. It can be, it can be a mastermind. It can be many, many different things. But it's the idea that you're only going to go so far on your own, and it's not nearly as much fun on your own. No. So I, I'm in, in fact, my kind of word for this year is collaboration, and I'm trying to very purposefully seek out ways to collaborate with people on things, because I see a lot of great books that are written and. You know, there's there are two co-authors, um, mm, and I'm really true. intrigued by that process of of co-authoring something. But I've never really thought about it before. But it, it just occurs to me that wow, I need to think about you know co-teaching courses, mastermind groups, writing. Uh, I need to be a lot more collaborative intentionally because you can only go so far on your own. So that to me is what I'm really I think learning now. I'm still I'm still very much working that out, but I am really convinced that I'm not going to go much further just on my own power. I really have to collaborate with others on a different level from here on out, whatever that, that looks like. That's, that's something I've been learning as well. You know, I mean, you know, ultimately, you know, when it comes down to it on a kind of purely scientific level, we were designed to be in community. Human beings are exactly. designed to be in community. That's how we grow. That's how we thrive, you know, um, and, it's the same principle with creativity, you know, that, I mean, no creative project is ever, is ever a solo project. I mean, if you think about, but even if a book's got one author, it's still got people who designed it, people who edited it, people who, um, right. people who did the cover, people who, you know, people who, um, people who published it, distributors, all that. it's always a team effort, you know, um, it's never a solo effort. Um, and yeah, all, all the best creative work is collaborative, you know. And I'm trying to, I, that's something I'm exploring as well at the moment, is working with other people on creative projects and collaborating with them. And, um, and that's one reason I do, the, I, do the, I do the podcast and do interviews on the podcast, because I think there's always, there's always ways that we can learn, things that we can learn off each other, you know. And I learn a lot just by doing these interviews, you know. I mean, I know that a lot of, oh, yeah. I mean, the goal is that uh, there's other people get to hear, you know, you and other people sharing wisdom and knowledge and experience and all that kind of thing um and i know but I, I mean i know i mean anyone who's created anything will know that you learn something by creating something that in the oh, creative oh process goodness, you yeah. always learn something so by you know by doing these podcasts i'm learning something and hopefully everyone else is learning something too um and um yeah and you know um there's nothing there's no creative work that isn't collaborative so that's a really really good bit of advice thank you um absolutely um, this has been really, really great, um, Ken. Um, so much wisdom, so much um, insight, and um, yeah, we'll definitely kind of, we'll definitely have you back at some point as well. Um, 
uh, yeah, definitely. So thank you for coming on today. Absolutely. This has been really, really fun. Really yeah. fun. Thanks for having me on and, and entrusting me with your audience. No, no worries. I, I, I'm sure that they're going to benefit a lot from this. So, uh, so thanks again. Absolutely. Great. Okay, well, that's it, everybody. Um, uh, take care, and we'll talk again soon. <laughs>